We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, James Anderson, and my guest today is the great Chris Clegg of the Dynasty Dugout. Of course, we're brought to you by Fantrax. Um, as always, this spring, very happy to be uh, supported by Fantrax. Uh, but Chris, thanks so much for joining me. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. I appreciate you having me. It's uh, always good to chat with you. And uh, looking forward to the topic today. It's going to be some good discussion. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So that topic is uh, prospects or just kind of unproven players that you and I think could uh, get a lot of helium during the spring. And, um, you know, I think you're a great person to have on for this show, not only because you're, you're a great evaluator of, of prospects, but also, um, you know, you're kind of a, you're a a helium uh, generator almost um, with the amount of, you know, spring video um, and just, you know, data and stuff like that um i'm sure you'll have some viral videos uh, before no time once those spring games get going so i thought it'd be fun to just kind of talk about which young players you and i could see you know maybe jump in their adp 100 spots 150 spots maybe even just like 50 spots but you know we see this every year in the spring um just last year alone you know jordan walker um you and I were both out there in Florida, I believe, um, when he was kind of the talk of first pitch Florida based on what he was doing in Cardinals camp. Uh, Anthony Volpe, uh, obviously a guy that just was rocketing up draft boards last year based on what he did in the spring. So I'm sure it'll happen again. Um, but I just wanted to ask you before we get into like sort of specific players, um, you know, what kinds of things are you looking for? in the spring that kind of affects how you value um, some of these more unproven guys. Sure. Yeah. It's uh it's tough to kind of weed out of the noise. Like there's a lot of noise, I think in spring training and especially with young guys, you'll see these young guys that come up and they look really good. And you know, sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you see guys that look like they're chalked to make the roster out of camp, but, You know, it doesn't always happen that way. So I think the biggest thing for me, like with pitchers especially, like I'm looking for, like, is there a pitch mix change? Is there increased velo? And 
really like the biggest question I think too is like we see the sometimes velo jumps and are those velo jumps actually sustainable in like a full season or like a full start because I think a lot of the times we see these jumps and it's like okay they can do it in a short outing they can do it at a facility but is it sustainable to where it can stick and I think that pitch mix changes are good too but in the right context not every pitch mix change is good like some guys add a pitch and it it may hurt the entire arsenal but sometimes pitch mix changes work so I think in general, just looking at the pitchers, I'm looking for a pitch mix change. With hitters, I think a lot of it's just opportunity. You, you see, you'll see a lot of young guys in spring training, and a lot of the young guys will be performing. But is there opportunity there with the team? Maybe there's an unfortunate injury that allows someone to step in and get a role, or maybe there's a position battle, and this young player just outperforms and earns that spot outright. And so I think really those are kind of the big things to watch for like beyond the basic stats and performance of spring training is like, okay, like how is the team kind of valuing them? And you can kind of see that like based on the run they're giving them, I think in spring training at the major league level. And it kind of gives you a little bit of an indication of, you know, could this guy be somebody that the team wants to rely on during the season? Can they break camp with the team? All these questions. And so like I kind of look for like those things outside of like just the the stat line because I think there's a lot of noise in spring training stat lines, especially with hitters. Like you're facing, you are going to face some bad pitchers, and so there's an opportunity to beat up on them. But again, if you're performing and there's opportunity, if you're a pitcher and you're getting the reps, you see an increased velo, or even you have a, a new pitch and it's working, then I think those things really show me that there's the potential for someone that could break out this year or really rise up rankings. Yeah, I think that was all very well said. Uh, I think, yeah, especially, you know, the playing time standpoint, just kind of job battles for for lack of like a better term. Uh, that's kind of the thing I'm looking at with hitters, you know, like last year with Anthony Volpe, um, you know, I was very confident um, in early March last year in Oswald Peraza being their shortstop. And then, uh, you know, Volpe, just kind of went out and and won the job. Obviously, I think that the team kind of wanted him to win the job, but, um, you know, you're definitely keeping track of, you know, could this guy um, be playing sooner than we thought? Could this guy be playing more than we thought uh, with the position players? And then uh, my favorite type of player to watch in the spring is pitching prospects because you're getting to see them sometimes against, you know, four or five big league regulars in a, in a spring lineup. And, that's often the best caliber of hitter we've seen these pitchers face. And so, you know, obviously they could be working on things. The hitters could be working on things, but it is just nice to sort of see like, does the stuff play against some of the best hitters in the world? So I'm very excited to watch. Uh, I'm sure we'll mention some of these pitching prospects eventually, but um, yeah, I thought that was all uh, very well said. Um, so why don't uh how about I just toss it to you for your first player that you are um, sort of excited to watch in the spring and that you think um, maybe has the potential to really um, shoot up draft boards based on what they might do in the spring. Sure. So my top guy is probably Ricky Tiedemann and I've been pretty vocal against Ricky Tiedemann actually for redraft and dynasty leagues. There's some severe injury risk 
We have not really seen the ability of him to pitch consistently deep into starts. We saw it in the AFL, which we thought was a big step. But I do think that with the injury risk, I would not be surprised at all if Tiedemann is healthy in the spring and he looks good, if the Blue Jays decide to push him and he breaks camp with the team. That may be a stretch to say, but right now I look at Tiedemann over the last couple of months, since uh, January 1st in DCs, his ADP is 383. And I think that has potential to really soar up. You mentioned the pitching prospects, like, and he's a big name pitching prospect too. So when we look at that kind of player, if Tiedemann is performing in the spring, if he shows health, which, you know, is a, still a major red flag and question mark for me, then I think he's going to get a lot of helium and a lot of buzz and, I could easily see that ADP moving up 100 spots just from looking decent in spring training, especially if he's giving you some innings. And I'm still not sure I'd be willing to take on that risk in redraft. It's a very risky move, in my opinion, because I do think there's some underlying injury stuff that could flare up, and he may miss a lot of time. He may go through stretches where he's really good, but also go through stretches where he's down. But... Despite my feelings about him, I can see Ricky Tiedemann being a major helium candidate this spring. Yeah, we're we're in full agreement there. I I was I was priced out on Ricky Tiedemann from the moment draft started. Um, you know, he's just got that name value, um, and like you know, people were tweeting video of him like Ricky Tiedemann throwing ninety six, like when he was throwing like a few days ago and it's just right. like, well yeah sure great like <laughs> you know, i i would be concerned if he was throwing 92 but um right you know the thing with him is you know and obviously the blue jays i don't think starting pitching depth is is a strength necessarily um but i do think he would have to probably have someone in front of him kind of stumble or get injured for him to break camp in the rotation realistically but you know, he he got up to 62 innings total last year. Um, and obviously the the injury red flags with him, with, with Tiedemann, are uh, well-documented. Um, you know, I guess if I were putting myself in the Blue Jays' shoes, I think it would make sense to sort of slow play him out of the gates if you are hoping to be able to use him late in the season and possibly into the postseason. Because if if he just is throwing – four to five innings every five or six days starting in April. I just don't think there's going to be anything left by the time you get to September, really. So um, do you think that they would consider maybe just kind of, I don't know if they would hold him back or just really, you know, with minor league pitchers, you can be very sort of judicious about how much you're using them. Uh, if you want to be, do you think that they might try to have him sort of peaking around like June and then sort of enter the rotation then? Or do you do you think that they would just kind of be like, hey, like this guy's ready. Let's get these bullets at the big league level. We'll, we'll figure it out. If, if he runs out of innings, we'll trade for someone. Like how, how do you see them sort of handling that situation? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And one we have to consider, especially given the fact that, like you said, the rotation looks full at the moment. Like there's not a true opening. And I do think that it would take an injury to – get him in there. And they've even mentioned, you know, using Yariel Rodriguez, who they signed as a potential starter too. But the question I have is like the wasting bullets thing. Like we've seen so many teams at this point just say like, you know, they don't want to waste the bullets in the minor leagues. Somebody like Tiedemann 
that has severe injury risk, when's the most beneficial time to use him? And I think you bring up a good point there. Like, is it more beneficial for them to just start him out of the gate? And if he, he fades in July, like he fades in July or do they baby him up until then and want to have him for a potential postseason run? I could see both scenarios. So I think that'll be pretty interesting to kind of follow that storyline. But I think regardless, a good spring probably boost him up a good bit, way past the range I'm comfortable in. Right, yeah, he's he's got his supporters. He's got people who've been drafting him already. So, you know, if if he's looking good in the spring and there's just, you know, a sliver of, of hope that he breaks into the rotation right away, yeah, I think the price will continue to go up on him. And uh, definitely not a situation where it's like, you know, there's no way this pays off, but it's just, you know, there's there's other kind of risky shots I'd, I'd rather take, I think, than Ricky Tiedemann. And, yeah, I think, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if his March 80, or if it's just like his last um, two weeks of February ADP is inside the top 300 at this rate, just because, um, you know, he is healthy right now, it, it seems. And uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's a really good call. Um, my first guy I'm going to mention is, uh, Jackson Holiday, <laughs> uh, you know, not a, not a unknown, um, prospect by, by any means or anything like that. But, um, you know, I was thinking about sort of the way things unfolded, uh, last year with Anthony Volpe, who, um, Volpe was not a top 10 prospect for me uh, a year ago. And if I remember right, I think he was going in like the sixth round of like some main events towards the very end of draft season. So it was just a rocket ship for him. And, um, you know, I think Jackson Holiday is, is just, um, you know, flat out better and has even more name value. And, you know, I, I don't see why he couldn't have just as productive of a spring, if not more so. And um, like I'm, I'm picturing, you know, like a video of Jackson Holiday legging out a triple and someone being like, look, his sprint speed is like on par with this guy. And then like you have people dreaming on, you know, 30 plus steals and all that type of stuff. And, um, you know, maybe he, you know, there's like a 114 exit velocity or something like that. And everyone's just like losing their minds. Um you know, he's already a guy that's getting drafted as, you know, you're not stashing Jackson Holiday or you're not drafting him in the range of the draft where you're putting him on your bench. You have to use like a, a pretty high pick on him. Uh, I don't think he's going to be going outside the top 200 in, in too many more drafts. Um, but like if if Anthony Volpe could get up into the top 100 in some high stakes drafts by the end of last spring, I don't see why Jackson Holiday couldn't do the same thing. 100% agree with you. I think that there's already the buzz that he's going to be, you know, on the opening day team, like in the lineup, all that stuff. So his ADP is certain to soar. I think this guy, my next pick, is probably in the same boat. Another Jackson, Jackson Churio, where we know he signed the long term extension. So right now, you already feel pretty good about him being in the opening day lineup. The ADP pretty much reflects that in the 140-ish range over the last month or two in draft champions. So you already have to pay a pretty hefty cost. And I think people look at the potential power output. They look at the speed output. 
And even with just a slightly decent spring training, I think Churio is going to vault in that top 102, like you mentioned, Holiday, like we saw with Anthony Volpe. So it wouldn't shock me if he flies up into that top 100. I look at other outfielders, and outfield kind of bottoms out at some point. It's kind of It feels a little shallow in a five-outfield league. So you look at Churio, and I think with even just a decent spring training performance, he's probably going to move up 50 spots. And I know it doesn't seem like a ton, but when you're talking pushing into the top 100, it's a pretty substantial jump for someone who has not taken an at-bat in the major leagues yet. But we know, most likely scenario, unless something crazy happens, I think he's probably in that opening day lineup. And just given the fact that the power speed upside, I think people are going to really push him up if he looks decent this spring. Yeah, I think it's it's really, um, you know, it, it's, I don't know, like Hail Mary isn't isn't quite applicable here, but um, it does seem like it's just, it's it's such an upside shot that people are taking. Like I, I did a 12-team a um, Rotowire Online Championship uh, a couple days ago, and Churio went in the 10th round there. And he went ahead of outfielders like Seiya Suzuki and Nick Castellanos and Teoscar Hernandez. Um, you know, even a guy like Jaron Duran, um, who we've, we've kind of seen do the kinds of things that people are sort of hoping for from Churio. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. Like if he, if he has a really good spring, like, then everyone's just going to be like, well, yeah, I mean, he's clearly um, made the team. He's clearly going to play every day. And um, it is, it, it is just the speed. I think, I think that's really what it is, is like, you know, people get to like the seventh or eighth round of their draft and they're like, man, I'm, I'm so far behind on stolen bases. Um, how am I going to make that up? Like, I don't want to necessarily take a all speed, nothing else type of guy like a Ruiz. Um, but I know that like these veterans aren't just, they're just not going to steal that many bases. Um, so yeah, I, I could see it. I mean, he's already going so high. Like he's, he's going too high for my liking already. Um, do you like how, how good do you think Jackson Churio has to be this year as a rookie to retain um, like an everyday job? Because the one thing the Brewers have is outfield depth. Um, you know, a lot of those guys are pretty young and, and somewhat unproven. Um, but there's already been talk that that South Frelick is is going to play some infield. Um, they've got Garrett Mitchell. There's you know Joey Weimer's got a swing change. You know that's that's a that's a big deal apparently. Um, so like, do you think Jackson Churio is as long as he's kind of in the sort of 90 WRC plus range, he's just playing every day, or do you do you see any risk that? Uh, he could head to to AAA if if he has a rough um, April or even a rough spring. It's a tough question, I think, because of that extension. It's a it'll be interesting because if he does struggle, I mean, we know they've signed him to eight year eighty two mil, like big extension. What does it look like if you demote him? Like, was it people are gonna like freak out? Like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, the Brewers signed this guy and now they're sending him back to AAA after this extension. And so it can go either way. Like if Churio struggles, you send him down, you get his head right, he comes back up and performs, all is good. Or you're in the camp that's like, okay, we've got to keep him in the lineup. We've signed him this big extension. 
And he could go either way. He could continue to struggle. It could become a mental thing at that point, or he could rebound. But he's still so young. He's still only 19 years old, which is crazy. But I think he'll be 20 in March. So 20 years old on, in the opening day lineup, like a very young 20. I don't know. I could see this going a couple of different ways, but you're right. The outfield is a pretty big log jam right now. Obviously, Yelich is slated to DH. You have Frelick kind of playing all over, as you mentioned. You have Mitchell, Weimer, and and Weimer, he's brings some decent value with his glove too. So it's not yeah. not like the bat. You know, he's got the power speed. If he hits for a little bit of average, then you got to find a spot for him too because he does have value with the glove. So this could go a couple of different ways. And while I have a hard time thinking that they could demote him, I'm not going to rule it out because he's so young. I think there's a immense amount of pressure to step on the field as a young 20-year-old who had just got the biggest contract from somebody that's never played a major league game yet. Like it's pretty substantial pressure for a young kid. And you know, we hope he handles it well. But I, I think there's still question marks there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I haven't been drafting him in, in the age. Like I just think there's a lot of there's gonna be just so much pressure on him and so many, you know, high expectations for him. But like to me, if he if he hits like he could hit 240 this year with like a 300 OBP, and I would consider that a, a fine showing for him in yeah. his age 20 season. Um, you know, I mentioned him in passing, uh, but like Joey Weimer is a guy that like I I would be drafting Joey Weimer if he was on a different team because I do think he's a, a solid post hype candidate. I just don't really see his path to playing time on this team. But I could see Joey Weimer having a monster spring, and then all of a sudden things become like kind of like, well, who who's playing where? You know, is Garrett Mitchell going to play? Like, it, it's just there's enough kind of question marks for me, and um, I don't mind taking shots on guys, but I just I just have a enough kind of trepidation, I guess, with with Churio. Um, and it it really isn't it it's not mostly the playing time. Like I do think like. I'll take the over on 500 plate appearances for Churio this year. Um, but it's just, you know, I just don't, I don't think he's really close to sort of peak of his powers. Like I think we're maybe a year or two away, uh, at least from that. So um, I think I think it'd be risky to push him up much further than he's going right now. I agree with you. Um, so a guy that I have been loading up on, is Wyatt Langford because I do think he's pretty close to the peak of his powers. And, um, you know, I like the fact that Texas hasn't gone out and signed, you know, like a Brandon belt. Uh, hopefully they don't do that. I mean, it's, it's not, you know, we're not in the clear necessarily yet there, but, um, you know, I saw there was like a, a two minute video of him drawing a walk against Dane Dunning yesterday. So we're in full spring form right now. Um, imagine, imagine what's going to happen when he gets like a, a single or a double. Um, but, you know, I think, I think Langford is just, he's so kind of ready-made um, like he's, he's got big league strength. He's got a big league body. He's got speed. He's got power. Like, you know, people know about Wyatt Langford, but he's not, I don't even know if he's as famous as like Ricky Tiedemann is in sort of the casual circles because he's only been in pro ball. He hasn't even been in pro ball for a year yet. Um, 
But I do think, you know, there's going to be some pretty extreme exit velocities from him in the spring. Um, he's going to surprise people with how how good of an athlete he is and, and how fast he can run the bases. And, you know, he's already going in the middle of the 200 or in the, like in the 150-ish range. I've been drafting him there. And if he's hitting, you know, I mentioned like Jordan Walker earlier, like, White Langford could have a similar spring to Jordan Walker from a production standpoint. And then people are just going to be like, all right, well, he's made the team. Um, I'm seeing, you know, how hard he hits the ball, how, how fast he runs. There's clearly a spot. Um, so like, you know, to me from just a talent standpoint, like I think White Langford is kind of a top 100 type of guy. Um, and then there's just that sort of uncertainty about how many plate appearances you're getting from him this season. Um, where are you at on Langford for just kind of your 2024 expectations from him? And do you think there's enough playing time to go around in, in that outfield with that open DH spot? I do think there is enough room for him to play. Whether he opens the season with Texas or not, I still wouldn't be shocked if we saw him get 500 plate appearances at minimum. I don't think he's down long because – I just believe he's absolutely going to tear up AAA. We already saw him tear up the minors last year, and there's no reason to think that if somehow he doesn't make the team out of camp that they can keep him down for long. I mean, this is a championship contending team. Obviously, just won the World Series. They're looking to repeat. This lineup's really good. The lineup also is pretty loaded. You look at the outfield situation, and obviously they've got a lot of talent. They've got Adelise Garcia. They have Evan Carter, who... Came on really strong. You've got Leody Tavares, who is strong in center field and has a decent bat. And then there's Langford. You also have the versatile guys like Ezekiel Duran, Josh Smith, like they've kind of played all over. But I do think there is an opportunity and a spot for Langford. And I think that they would be crazy to keep him down for long, especially considering he could win the Rookie of the Year award, get them an extra draft pick. Like, this is already a team that's going to be picking at the back of the draft just because of how good they are. But if you get that extra draft pick, that's huge. Just having that extra bonus pool spot goes a long way. And I could see them going for that. So on that hand, I see Lankford potentially starting with the team and performing really well. But I think even if he is down for a small period of time, he's not down long. And I think 500 to 550 plate appearances is more than realistic. And I think the production you could get with that is more than enough to satisfy his draft slot, to be honest. Yeah, I think I saw, um, I want to say his rookie of the year odds were like seven to one or something like that. Um, and I I would hammer it at, at that. Um, but like the Rangers are in this unique position where they've got two AL rookie of the year candidates. So they've got kind of like two bites at that prospect promotion incentive draft pick Apple if they start Langford up with Evan Carter. And to me, it's just kind of when you've got a guy that like I could argue Langford's the favorite for AL rookie of the year. And you could also argue that Evan Carter's, you know, among the favorites. So to me, when you have that, that potential for that draft pick, um, it's just, there, there's too many incentives, I think, to not break camp with him if he's earned the job. Now, if he, I don't think you just break camp with him just to break camp with him. I think you, you make Langford go out there and earn it in the spring. Um, but then I think, like you said, kind of worst case scenario, they hold him down for a couple of weeks to get that seventh year of, of control. 
Um, like there's, there's two different incentives in play. And if they pass on trying to get the draft pick, they'll certainly try to get that seventh year of control. So, yeah, I, I think if you, if you draft Wyatt Langford, um, you you'll be getting him into your lineup before the end of April, barring an injury. And uh, Mike, the mouth, I, I know you're uh, potentially listening. You, I, you do owe me a hundred bucks if Langford breaks camp on the roster. Um, but yeah, I mean, do you think the prospect promotion incentive draft pick, like, does would that be kind of a thing that you expect them to 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 consider with a guy like Langford? I think you have to because why not? When you have such talent at the major league level, and your farm system's already good, like I think having that extra draft pick is huge, and just having that extra bonus pool money, I think you have to consider it and factor it in. I mean, we saw it with the Mariners play out pretty well obviously with with julia rodriguez and having all those picks at the top they were able to do some really good things with the draft this year and i think texas has to consider that especially having two shots at it like you mentioned with evan carter and wyatt langford you have to believe that they are at least thinking a little bit about that and I, he's he's got to earn it like you said but it's hard to imagine him not performing very well in the spring Okay, uh, before we head to your next pick, Chris, I uh, got a message um, from our sponsors, but I also do want to mention, um, if you're watching on on YouTube, on the RotoWire YouTube channel, please uh, subscribe, give us a like. Um, really pumped that, that we're just going to be doing baseball-only content on the RotoWire YouTube channel going forward. Football's going to get its own channel, so definitely check us out on YouTube. Um, but also... If you're playing in Dynasty Leagues, and I'm, I'm sure you probably do if you're watching a podcast with me and Chris Clegg, um, you really got to be playing on Fantrax. You know, I, I'm sure a lot of you are, are already on Fantrax and are kind of rolling your eyes like, who the hell isn't playing on Fantrax? But I can tell you, I've got a, a keeper league where we're not on Fantrax, and I'm already dreading the draft because, like, I, I like to use... Uh, Chrome, but for this specific website, I always have to load up Safari because the the draft room doesn't perform well on Chrome. Um, it's just it looks the interface looks like it's it was made 20 years ago because it was made 20 years ago. There hasn't been any updates, but Fantrax, I mean, there's really nothing to complain about with the drafting software. I'm in a draft right now, the Tout Wars Draft and Hold. Uh, Eric Cross is in there. Chris Welsh is in there. Um, you know, Alan Harrison, who won the league last year, is in there. Fred Zinke's in there. And we're, we're doing it on Fantrax. It's a piece of cake. It's so easy to queue guys up. It's so easy to uh, put yourself on auto. All the players are in there. Um, so I know a lot of you play in leagues where, like, my top 400 prospect rankings are mostly rostered. You're playing in leagues that are so deep. Fantrax has all the guys in the pool that you would possibly want to add. Um, so there's just really no excuse anymore to be playing on these mediocre sites that don't put any time and resources into updating their products. So if you're playing on Dynasty, you got to get over to Fantrax, sign up for free today, and be entered to win an official MLB signed jersey from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Simply go to Fantrax.com slash Rotowire and sign up today. That's F-A-N-T-R-A-X dot com slash Rotowire. Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, Chris, we're back. Um, We've discussed... Um, some pretty big name prospects so far, and, and I'm sure we've got a, a, a few more big name uh, prospects to hit on, but who's your next guy? This next one is one that I'm kind of torn a little bit on, just given some news that came out today, actually. It's Noel B. Marte, who I've actually been drafting a lot in like in FBC formats. A lot of DCs, I have gotten Noel B. Marte as my third baseman. Today, it came out that he would miss the first five Red Spring training games. He says he's feeling fine, but he's going to miss the games because he arrived late to the facility. So I'm hoping that that is really the only reason that he is going to miss the first five games because he was late to the facility rather than still being hurt. So I'm hoping the hamstring is not an issue. But we saw Novi Marte do some really, really good things last season and even came up and looked really, really strong in the majors. Despite him filling out his frame and being quite thick, he still runs really well. He's going to be a threat on the base pass, which is pretty interesting, something that I thought would fade out as he filled out his body. But last year, he stole 24 bases across three levels, including six in 35 major league games. And while he didn't hit for huge power numbers, The exit velocities were certainly there at the minor league level and the major league level. He barrels the ball up well. He's going to be playing in one of the most hitter-friendly parks in all of baseball, in Great American Ballpark, for his home games. And I look at Novi Marte, I think, man, this guy could be a real power and speed threat. And he does all this while making pretty respectable contact, actually. In the minors last year, it was 85% zone, which is 
you know, that's all you need. Like that's rather impressive, you know, well above minor league average and above major league average too. And he stepped in the majors and had an 83% zone contact rate. So good contact makes enough overall contact as well. He's not chasing a ton out of the zone. So he's going to put up respectable walk rates too, in my opinion. We didn't see that huge walk rate in his debut, but pending Noelby Marte is healthy. I believe that his ADP is going to continue to creep up actually like it has last in January. He was going in the 170 range and his ADP in February is up to 160, which already shows that he's moving a little bit. And I think he could move up even more if he's healthy in spring and he comes out firing and we see some strong performances. Obviously we're going to see him put up some big exit velocities. And you mentioned like those things catch people's eye. I wouldn't be shocked if he pushes up towards like the 110, 100 overall range. Just looking at the third base position, I mean, there's no reason to see like him not moving up with a good spring performance. I hope not because he's been a really good value and somebody I've drafted a lot of places. I just need him to be healthy, and I hope that'll be the case. Yeah, I mean, that is that is a bit concerning that he's um... – going to be held out for those first five games um do you do you think it's like a like a disciplinary thing or that's the way the note read like Uh he says he's feeling good and he's healthy but because he was late to the facility for spring then he would be missing the first five games it seems weird like there's no like clear you know it's not like it says it's disciplinary but like the way i read the note and it it was from um on mining the news from Jeff Zimmerman on fan graphs today. And it says he suffered the hamstring strain in winter league. He feels good as he's arrived to the facility late this week for spring training. And so because he arrived late, he will miss the first five games. So it seems that way. It seems almost disciplinary, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, it the fact that they know it's going to be five games. Yeah. Um, does, does kind of make it seem that way, which, you know, that's a bummer. Um, definitely, definitely hope that he just kind of holds his own at least in the spring and doesn't give them any reasons to, to think about sending him down. Um, but like, like you said, I think Noel V. Marte is just, his game is so tailored for five by five fantasy, uh, particularly batting average leagues because he's going to swing the bat Um you know, he, he's not going to be over. He's not going to be like Edward Julian or anything like that up there. And he, he runs as much as he can run, you know, like he, like you said, he, he doesn't necessarily look like a guy that could steal 25 bases, but uh, especially where he's probably going to hit in that Reds lineup. I think he could steal 25 bases this year. And uh, he's got, he's got power. Like, like you said, with just, you know, how hard he hits the ball and everything, but he's not like Christian Encarnacion on strand where like he won't like, he'll benefit from great American ballpark. There'll be bombs that he hits that wouldn't go out in some other parks. So um, Marte is just, yeah, he's just a great roster building piece because of the fact that you could get that type of speed and power at third base. Uh, He's just a great guy, great way to kind of catch up if you feel like you're falling behind in speed. So hopefully uh, it's just a kind of a blip. And, um, but I've got enough, I've got enough Noelby Marte shares where, um, I probably won't draft him again until I at least see him um, playing in games and kind of looking like himself and everything. Okay, Chris, uh, Paul Skeens, 
Um, you know, I look at that Pirates rotation, and I am hard-pressed to find someone that I think is a better pitcher than Paul Skeens is. Um, Mitch Keller, kind of the obvious player to, to say there, but if you just told me those guys were going to pitch the same amount of innings in the majors this year, I'd take Skeens over over Keller. Um, and the nice thing about Skeens is he has, you know, he, he obviously looks like he can handle 200 innings in the big leagues and he built up to 130 innings last year. Um, just all told, um, given what he did at, at LSU and, and in the big leagues. So I don't really think this is a guy that they need to baby. Um, the guy that he always gets compared to, is Steven Strasburg, uh, just in terms of like best college pitching prospects since Steven Strasburg. Um, Strasburg made 11 starts in the upper levels of the minors before he made his big league debut. Um, that was one of the most like highly anticipated big league debuts I can remember. Like I, I think I even remember where I was when like I found out that he was getting the call. Um, and Skeens is kind of on that same level, at least based on what he did. Um, in college. And so the fact that he doesn't really need to have, uh, the fact that he doesn't really need to be babied. Um, I'm just so excited to see what he does this spring. I have no idea how it's going to go. Uh, I have no idea like how realistic, uh, it is that he could break camp in the big leagues. I know that's kind of a mystery, but, um, like Paul Skeens is probably the player I'm most excited to watch play in spring training games this year. Yeah, I I love obviously the potential. There was some video surfacing of him today looking nasty on the mound as usual. So, like you mentioned, who in the world is blocking Paul Skeens and and really it's nobody. The only question that I have about them not starting Skeens in the rotation at spring or you know, even if he starts in AAA and comes up when the first couple of months is yeah, I mean, are they going to be competing and do they want to waste a year of service time? It seems like the kind of org that could try to manipulate that a little bit, especially when you have a talent like Paul Skeens. But I also, on the flip side, see them saying, well, Paul Skeens could win us a Rookie of the Year award. There's the prospect promotion incentive where this organization would love to get an extra draft pick. Like It would be huge for them. So I could see this going a couple of ways. You're 100% right where... I am really excited to watch Skeens and see what he can do. They have other guys that are more experienced at the upper levels. I think like a Jared Jones type, but still there's room for both of those guys in the rotation. I mean, you look and really none of these guys are blocking anybody. Perez, Marco Gonzalez, Luis Ortiz, Bailey Falter. Like they're not keeping your top prospects from coming up and pitching in the majors. So I think that there is the chance that Skeens could come up and throw innings. I mean, he's a workhorse. There's no denying that. I mean, we saw him in his final five starts at LSU go over 100 pitches. He went 120 pitches, several of those starts, which is just absurd. But LSU kind of ran him to the ground to the College World Series, and it it paid off for him, for both of them in that aspect. And you know, I was a little surprised he actually pitched professionally last I year. Too. I didn't expect him to throw just given the workload, but while it was a small sample, we still saw five games and you know, there were some good results and then double a was not great, but who cares? Cause it was 2.2 innings. I don't really care that much about 
that. I'll look at the larger picture of who Skeens is, and Skeens is one of the best pitching prospects in baseball. So, so I, you know, and I actually, I'm going to just kind of talk about Jared Jones in a second since you mentioned him, but um, I guess my, so like worst case scenario, I think in terms of the Pirates managing Skeens is sending him to the minors and then having him blow out his elbow and then you have your fan base waiting until like late next season to maybe see him in the majors. Like that's worst case scenario. Um, I don't think they're going to just start him in the majors just to try to avoid that. But um, I also am a little worried about um, the catching situation there. Like it's nice that they brought in a vet in, in Yasmani Grandal um, after the ND Rodriguez injury, but I don't really want any of my fantasy pitchers throwing to Henry Davis. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on, I guess. But you mentioned Jared Jones, and um, I was talking with uh, Eno Saris about Jones uh, a couple days ago um, because we are keeping him. He's like one of the few prospects we're keeping on our, our dynasty team. And he mentioned that he had the same uh, stuff plus at AAA as Ryan Pepio. And then I mentioned, well, and he's four years younger than Ryan Pepio. And uh, he also kind of similarly to Pepio, um, you know, command and control is kind of the, the, the flaw with Jones that it seemed like he kind of figured out a bit uh, last year. And that, that's why he was such a big riser for me. And I was going to mention Jones towards the end if, if you didn't, but since you brought him up, um, like Jones has really, really good stuff. Uh, and I think he's the type of guy, like you could see some pitching ninja Jared Jones um, tweets out there. If, if he looks good in a, in a spring outing, um, you know, he's, he can touch a hundred miles an hour, sits 96. Um, he's also got a, a slider that, that sits around 89 and can touch 94. So uh, just a, an electric arm and, and a guy that I thought was maybe going to be the pirates closer to the future until he kind of improved his control last year. So uh, Jared Jones also on the short list of players I'm most excited to watch this spring. Yeah, I would agree there. Uh, I, I really thought Jones was a reliever too because when I saw him in 2022 several times with Greensboro, the stuff would just fade really hard after like two innings. So the velo was dipping. The stuff was just falling off completely. I was like, okay, well, the stuff's good enough to pitch in a bullpen. But then 2023 kind of changed everything where he was going deeper in the starts, the velo was holding, and I think he's actually going to be a useful starter and – I think that we see him throw really good innings this year with Pittsburgh. So who's your uh, next player you wanted to talk about? I think this one may be a little controversial just because of the depth on the Dodgers, and that's Emmett Sheehan, where I love Sheehan. He's a phenomenal arm, but I think people are just still questioning the innings and how does he fit into this rotation? The thing is, when we look at the rotation, we know that now know at least that Walker Bueller is not going to be ready to go to begin the year. Potential like Nick Frosso, he's out for the year. Tony Gonsolin, TJ, Dustin May, TJ, Clayton Kershaw, shoulder. Like there's plenty of openings, I believe, in this rotation. And James Paxton, I don't trust at all to stay healthy, honestly. They'd already kind of mentioned a six man rotation especially given the fact that the top of your rotation has a Yamamoto who has not been on that kind of schedule, like a major league starter schedule. So a six man would benefit him. 
six man benefits Tyler Glass now, probably Bobby Miller too, where I really believe that Emmett Sheehan has a role from the beginning. And ultimately, I don't see a reason where why he doesn't have a role all year, even if it's a six man rotation. I think we still see enough innings out of Emmett Sheehan where he's highly useful for fantasy purposes. You know, most of the projections have him around 100 innings, but I think he shatters that pretty easily in the Dodgers rotation. And I know you look and you say, oh, well, he he wasn't all that great when he came up and debuted last year. He threw 60 innings in with the big league club. He had a 4.92 ERA, but you look and the XERA was much better at 3.50. He has really good stuff. The strikeouts are going to be there. I just look at Sheehan and think that this could be a big year for him. It's my that I'm really confident in the stuff. I think he's got a pretty high floor and also a pretty high ceiling as well. So I'm pretty excited about him at Sheehan. He's still going fairly late, like post 250 in nearly every draft. And I think that that's a, a pretty good spot for him. And even if you only get 140, 150 innings out of him, which I, I personally think is realistic, then it's going to be a good value pick. And being on the Dodgers team in a 5x5 five five league, going to get a lot of opportunities for wins. And I think the ratios will be decent. He'll get you strikeouts. I think he's just pretty valuable overall, going pretty late for a Dodgers arm that had a lot of helium last year. Yeah, man. I love Emmett Sheehan. Um I have so much uh, FOMO with him right now in redraft because I, I just, I haven't ended up with him anywhere. Um, just, I don't know. I, I worry uh, like about how many innings I'm getting. I like, if you just told me I was getting 130 big league games out of Emmett Sheehan, I'd take him at like pick 200. Um, yeah. But there's another guy that I'm, I'm very curious to see how Gavin Stone looks in the spring um, because like Sheehan, you mentioned like the numbers might not look that great. Well, Sheehan looked really good um, yeah. in some of his final appearances and Gavin Stone did too. Um, and, you know, some of that was in the PCL towards the end of the year, but um, you know, he incorporated a cutter and a sinker in the middle of the season last year um, to kind of, you know, he wasn't getting the results that he was expecting with the the four seamer and the the changeup. Obviously, changeup is Stone's best pitch. Um, but you know, Gavin Stone had a really great spring training last year. He's obviously got to be looking at that Dodgers depth chart and saying, like, you know, don't forget about me um, because, like, if he doesn't pitch really well um, early this season, like, he's just not really going to have that much of a shot to, to get into that rotation unless they deal with the, a couple injuries. So um, I, you know, Emmett Sheehan, definitely a, a much better, like a, a clear class above in terms of a pitching prospect than Gavin Stone. But I also think like Gavin Stone is just a starting pitcher all the way. Like he's not the type of guy that you move to the bullpen and you're like, well, he's just going to go get like, high leverage outs for us now. Cause it's, it's just, it's not that type of repertoire really. It's more, he's built to, to be a starter, I think. And uh, I think Sheehan's going to be a, a great starter too. Um, you know, they've got Kyle hurt and stuff with, with nowhere to go in that rotation. I mean, he might even uh, have more value in dynasty if he just goes straight to the bullpen. Um, do you, are you kind of, are you out on stone based on like what he showed last year? Or did you, are you like 
interested to see how he looks in the spring at all? I'm actually buying Gavin Stone a lot, especially in like a dynasty format, because you know, you come up and you struggle and in dynasty, everybody just freaks out and or is done with you. So I found Gavin Stone to be a really good buy there. And even in redraft, like especially in a draft and hold format, his ADP is so low. Like he's going, he's got a pretty wide range. Like he's going as high as 329, but as low as 633 in the ADP 580, which is wild. So that's a, a pretty good spot. Like anything post 450, I think is a good spot for Gavin Stone. And I just have a hard time writing somebody completely off when you, know, you only threw 31 major league innings and you know the stuff's good you know that he's a starter you know that he can work innings which i think is huge and he was the best pitcher in the minors in 2022 and i think to write him off so quickly would be a mistake i am curious to see what he looks like this spring like has he tweaked the arsenal any and i think that'll be pretty telling you mentioned that he did add a couple of pitch data that sinker in which will be interesting to see how it plays i think that that makes sense for his arsenal. And I'm really curious, ultimately, like what does the pitch mix and repertoire look like this spring? But I do think he has a chance too to bump up because we know that he's also been said to be competing for a rotation spot this spring. And there's certainly a chance he could come out and earn one. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've done nine drafts so far and I've got stone and Jared Jones on five of those nine teams. Um, so and that's why it's sort of I said I've like got FOMO with Sheehan is because like I know Sheehan's better and I just the price I just keep landing on stone because of the price. But, um, you know, in the spring that that'll be a job battle to definitely watch because, it you know, if we get to March 10th, March 15th and it's like pretty clear that Sheehan's just outperformed stone and it's Sheehan's job. Um I'll probably have to start getting in on him at that point, but um, that's, that's going to be, I mean, the Dodgers are just, they're just ridiculous. It's just crazy how much talent talent they have um, on the pitching side of things. Like just guys that we're not even mentioning that on a lot of other teams would be kind of in the mix to like possibly steal a spot. Um, Just, just so impressive how they um, gather all that talent. Um, So, uh, yeah, you said Sheehan. I kind of mixed in Stone. Um, before I throw it to you for your your fifth one, uh, Jackson Job. What do you what do you expect from Jackson Job this spring? I mean, he he hasn't built up the innings the way that a guy like you know Skeens did last year, and you know he is kind of the prize of the the Tigers. Um, pitching farm and you know he they they're going to be very careful with him Um, they got a lot riding on jackson job do you think he's a and i kind of think he's similar to ricky tiedemann in a lot of ways um just because it's like how do they want to manage his innings this year because they all of a sudden have you know five plus competent big league starters you know it's it's not quite a a pirate's type of situation where there's like three or four guys that he's clearly better than right now. Although, you know, better stuff than a lot of those guys. But do you think Detroit's going to just kind of keep Jackson Job on ice, like for, for the most part early this season, or do you think they'll, they'll let him, let him eat out there in the spring? 
I'm really conflicted on what they do, honestly. And I do think it's a, a real possibility that they let him go in the spring just to see what he can do. But does that mean he's going to start the year in the big leagues? Probably not, given the moves they made this offseason to add Jack Flaherty, Adkins Maeda. Like those moves were interesting to me because you already had the starters. I mean, you had Sawyer Gibson Long, who came up and was really good last year. You have Casey Mize coming back. I'm not sure exactly when we see him. You have several of the other prospects that are are almost ready too, like a Ty Madden. You have a, a Kyder Montero, Wilmer Flores, all those guys at the upper level. So to me, when they went out and signed those guys, Flaherty and Maeda, it was kind of like, okay, maybe they do want to slow play Job and let him kind of build up to maybe being ready, you know, mid to late season. I do also look at the rotation and say, this rotation can't stay healthy. They've never yeah. stayed healthy. Uh, we haven't seen any of these guys show a good track record of health in their career at any point. So on the flip side, there's that, where there's a possibility that they may be forced to push up prospects. And there's no reason to think that Jackson Job could not be one of those, despite the depth that they do have. And while we know Job is by and far the best pitching prospect in the system, there's some other solid guys in the system too. So I do think it's a tough situation to kind of get a read on right now with Job and with this rotation. But I will be interested to see like how do they handle him this spring, and that might be pretty telling. But unfortunately, right now it's tough to to really get a gauge and say like, okay, here's where Job we think he is and where he could be. Like his value is kind of all over the board right now, just because we don't really know what they're going to do with him. And I could see it going several different ways here. Yeah, I have I have gotten Job on a at least one or two draft and hold teams um, because the the Tigers like they're going to be trying to make some noise. I mean, they, they kind of made some noise last year, but you know, I think they're going to be trying to make the playoffs this year and Jackson Job could be just a huge part of that. So um, very interested to see what they do with him in the spring. But I mean, he is like, he could be so good in the spring that people start drafting him as like a stash because they're just like, look, the, the upside's through the roof. This guy looks pretty much ready. So even if I have to wait a, like five, six weeks. Um, so really interested to see what Job does. Um, who was your, uh, who's your fifth player you wanted to talk about? I'm going to go with another arm actually. It's AJ Smith Shaver, who I'm really interested to see. I know you look at the Braves rotation and it feels kind of set in a way. But I've also heard that the fifth spot's not locked in with Bryce Elder. Like, A.J. Smith-Shalver is going to be competing for that spot. And while Elder did eat a ton of innings last year, he threw 172 or 174, excuse me, was pretty good for them until the second half, and he completely fell off. The underlying stuff with Elder is not great. And then we go up the rotation, and we see, okay, there's a Chris Sale who cannot stay healthy at all. Last year is the first time over 100 innings since 2019, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and then you have Charlie Morton, who's 40 years old. You have Max Freed, who had some injury concerns last year. And then Spencer Strider. But I think there's the opportunity here for A.J. Smith-Shawver to potentially get a role. He already has major league time. They pushed him hyper-aggressively last year. And within the span of two months, went from high A to the majors. And I know he kind of bounced around 
between the majors and AAA. And the results were a mixed bag, but looking beyond just the results at the stuff, like AJ Smith Shaver, I think truly has the potential to pitch in this rotation and pitch a serviceable amount of innings and going post 400 in nearly every draft. I've scooped him in a lot of DCs just because I think the potential is there for him to get 100 innings at least at the major league level and maybe even more. Um, I know the projection systems don't like him for that at all. And I know you look and you say, okay, like this rotation feels pretty set, but I still think the rotation's pretty risky. And I think AJ Smith Shaver is the clear sixth guy right now, if not the fifth. And I, I mean, I know he's a better pitcher than Price Elder. It's just, what do the Braves want? The Braves want somebody up immediately that's going to give them guaranteed innings. Do they want to let AJ kind of work in AAA a little bit? Either way, I think AJ Smith Shaver gets innings and with a good spring, his ADP probably vaults pretty significantly. Yeah. I mean, I think AJ Smith Shaver is the type of guy where you just got to throw projections kind of almost out the window because of how young he was last year. Like, I mean, you, you're talking about like, you know, like Rick Porcello, um, like Jose Fernandez type of guys that have come up at that young of an age. Um, like he, he's going to be 21 all this season and he logged um, five starts in the big leagues last year. So I just think, you know, this is a guy that's still getting better, right? Like we shouldn't expect a guy who just turned 21 to just be, that's the pitcher he's going to be for the next three years. Like, you know, I think it speaks volumes to his makeup that Atlanta thought pushing him the way they did last year was a viable way to go. And the fact that he kind of held his own at times in the big leagues was incredibly impressive to me. Um, so I'm, I'm right there with you on that one. And I haven't, I've got, I think I've got some Smith Shaver. I haven't taken Bryce Elder anywhere because of kind of what you mentioned. Um, where does Hurston Waldrop kind of fit into all this for you? Because I, I've gotten, I think I've got them like back to back in my rankings and I get asked, you know, which guy do you prefer and stuff. And it's a really tough question for me um, because they both just have so much going for them. It's hard to like pick against one of them necessarily. Um, Waldrop, obviously the control issues have, have been like, that's the reason he was available to Atlanta where they got him in the draft last year. Uh, stuff wise, he's just ridiculous. Um, where do you sort of, how do you sort of see 2024 20, unfolding for Waldrop? Yeah, I mean, this is an interesting scenario where I could see it going a couple of ways. I, I do think that the Braves have every intention of fully developing Waldrop as a starter, or you don't draft him there. And I know there's been kind of some questions, well, could he slide into a bullpen role in Atlanta and help them in that way? And I don't see that happening. The bull, Braves' bullpen is already really good. Right. And they don't really need Waldrop in the bullpen. I, I would say the most likely scenario would be Waldrop starting in AAA. He already reached AAA last year in his draft year, and he was rumored to be getting called up to the majors the last week of the season for the postseason. So, like, that would have made sense to put him in the bullpen then if, if you needed him. But, you know, that didn't happen. The Braves also tweaked some things with Waldrop with the pitch mix, the usage, a little bit mechanically cleaned up. Florida... University of Florida is interesting where they do a lot of weird things with arms. And you kind of look at Waltrip's numbers at Florida, and it's like, oh, these aren't great. But when he was behind in counts last year at Florida, he used the fastball like 70% of the time. And that's not on Waltrip. In, at the college level, coaches are calling the game. So he was throwing what the coaches call and a lot of fastballs. 
And the fastball is a good pitch, but when you're that predictable, it's, I mean, it is what it is. Like, you know what's coming. But I do believe that Waldrop does have three plus pitches at least. And the splitter is just absolutely devastating. One of the better splitters in the game already, in my opinion. And I really believe that Waldrop also kind of refines the strike though in a little bit. And we saw a little bit of that in the minors where he was hovering right around like MLB average strike rates, which is good. And, you know, it was a small sample, but the Braves did push him to four levels. He had single start and single A, three in high A, three double, and then one triple to end the year. And while it was kind of a mixed bag of results from like the walk rate standpoint, the strike rates were pretty good. And so... I believe like the Braves have done a great job developing and I kind of believe that he's going to be a starter long-term. He's going to be a really good starter at that. The upside's probably higher than AJ Smith Schauber, but I'd say at the moment, like AJ's a little bit more refined as a pitcher and strike thrower. That's not to say that Waldrop could not give you innings this year. And I, I firmly believe that he will. I think we're going to see him have a really good spring. I don't think he breaks camp with the team. Like I, do with the potential for AJ too, but I also believe that Waldrop will be throwing innings in Atlanta this year. How many? That's the question. But I think we'll see some some really solid innings out of Waldrop because he is ready, in my opinion. Chris, I want to ask you about Kate Horton quickly um, with the Cubs. Uh, it was kind of noteworthy that he didn't get an invite to spring training. Um, I haven't seen any like reporting or anything to kind of follow up on that, like what the reasoning was there necessarily. But, um, you know, I think Cade Horton, you know, we've been talking about like guys, like you mentioned Smith Jobber, like, you know, he's better than Bryce Elder. Uh, well, I know Cade Horton's better than Jordan Wicks. Um, and I know the Cubs are trying to win games. So how do you how do you think the Cubs use uh, Kate Horton this year? And do you think he could be like maybe a late ad to big league camp, or do you think he's just going to be uh, with the minor leaguers all spring? I don't know. I do find that pretty fascinating that he wasn't one of the invitees to to big league camp. It it made sense in my opinion, but maybe he is a late ad. Maybe there's some stuff that they're working on him with that they didn't want him throwing in, in big league games. I have no clue. Like you said, there's been kind of nothing out there kind of look and say like, okay, this is why. But I also look at the rotation and on the back half of that rotation, especially like Kyle Hendricks, Jordan Wicks. I mean, Horton's so good. And we know that. I think probably most people listening know that Kate Horton is dominant. He's one of the best pitching prospects in the minors last year. He tweaked some pitches. He tweaked the changeup grip and it was really, really good. Uh, they deliberately kind of held him back early in the year or he was throwing just the fastball slider and kind of progressively added pitches and, and the results were there. And I think that there is an opportunity for Horton to pitch in the majors this year, probably a pretty good sign that it's not early. Like just the fact that he wasn't invited to spring, uh, the major league spring training, which is interesting. I mean, we've seen just 27 innings above the high level, but still, I, I think you look at him, I think the Cubs look at him and know the talent level is there. I know he had TJ in the past, but innings really didn't seem to be too much of an issue last year. I know he didn't throw a ton of innings, but we did see a decent amount of innings out of him last year. So how they handle him this year is going to be interesting. Yeah, you know, I ultimately don't really know. 
what they do with him and why he's not in big league camp. But I think we'll know, you know, more about this spring. Hopefully we get some kind of word on him. But I do think that Horton could see some time in the majors, maybe down the stretch. I think that Horton could have that impact. Yeah, and I've I've been drafting Horton. Um, I found a really, a really illuminating quote from uh, Craig Breslow from I think back it was like an MLB.com article from maybe September. So he was still with the Cubs, and he basically just flat out said that Horton put the finishing touches on his development with that changeup last year, and it just he basically said like this guy's ready now. Yeah, and um, so maybe this is sort of a calculated way of. You know, you need um, you're going to need more than five starters throughout the season. And, you know, maybe they're just kind of like, look, we'll we'll see what Hendricks has. You know, maybe he can eat innings and we'll give Wicks a chance to kind of show that he's a a guy that we want to give the ball to every fifth day, knowing that they have Horton just kind of ready. And, you know, the Cubs, I think, will make the playoffs this year. So it, it makes sense to me to maybe say, like, we're going to really start ramping him up in like May or something. And then he'll be in the big leagues by June. Uh, I kind of think that's how it, it goes with Horton, but we'll see. And hopefully there is some more reporting in camp about just sort of like what the plan is for him in the spring, but uh, we shall see with Kate Horton. Uh, Chris, anything you wanted, anyone else you wanted to hit on before we uh, sign off here? I mean, I think all the, we had on several top prospects, but you have to look at like a Dylan Cruz who, Mm-hmm. You know, here's a video of him hitting a massive home run yesterday or Monday, I think. And, you know, what does he look like in game? And yeah, I think that he got a little bit overshadowed by Langford's strong performance. I don't think that Washington gets aggressive with him this year because they aren't going to be contenders. And yeah, I, I'm not seeing a reason they push him, but I think Dylan Cruz's season or spring training, especially will be fun to watch. I think you've got to watch Jordan Lawler pretty closely as, you know, does he begin the year? in Arizona. And you know, I think there's kind of questions around that. If he's the starting shortstop on opening day and yeah, you know, I'm not really sure that that's the case right now. So I think Jordan Lawler will be somebody to watch pretty closely. And even Colt Keith, who we know is going to be in the opening day lineup after his extension too, he's going to play second base, but I'm really excited to watch Colt Keith. And I think that his stock is one that could and probably should move up pretty significantly in a redraft league. Yeah, I mean, it really sounds like Lawler probably is going to be headed to AAA, and I think yeah. they they probably look at, like, you know, you got Yamamoto out there as, like, the prohibitive favorite for NL Rookie of the Year. You know, I think he would have to get injured for him, for him to not really win it. Um, so I, I can see Arizona maybe looking more towards getting that seventh year of club control with Lawler than trying to push for a prospect promotion incentive pick with him. Um, you know, I'll mention Jackson Merrill. I could see, you know, he hits the ball harder than I think people might realize, or at least redraft players might realize. So, um, you know, I think he's going to probably push for a spot in the spring. Uh, Will Warren. Um, I just, I love Will Warren. I have no faith in the Yankees to um, find room for him in the rotation anytime soon necessarily, but that's, that's a bunch of guys that get injured a bunch too. So I think Will Warren will be fun to watch. Um Robbie Snelling, like, you know, that's a guy that really built up the innings last year. And that's a a horrific starting pitching depth chart there in San Diego. So I can see Robbie Snelling making some noise. And then two two kind of former prospects that I, I'm keeping an eye on. Uh, Jared Kelnick, 
with Atlanta. You know, I can already picture just a steady stream of quotes coming out of out of camp about just how great of a guy he is. And they don't understand why Seattle gave up on him. This guy's got crazy talent and stuff like that. And um, so I can see Kellenick moving up and then Alec Manoa. I just interested to see what he looks like. Obviously best shape of his life candidate and really want to see where the fastball velocity is at with Manoa, because, you know, if he's sitting 93, 94, his stock will not be going up, but if he's sitting 95, 96 and having a lot of success, I think he will start moving up boards. Um, Chris, where can people find your work? I'm sure a lot of people already know, but why don't you just let people know uh, where they can find your stuff? Yeah, so always on Twitter machine, X, whatever you want to call it, at RotoClegg. So everything gets posted there. And most of all my work is at thedynastydugout.com, prospect dynasty coverage, all that good stuff, and doing a little writing for Rotoballer and SoxProspects.com as well covering the Sox farm system down here in Greenville. But yeah, majority of the work at the dynastydugout.com. Awesome, Chris. Well, this has been uh, a treat and uh, really enjoyed uh, chatting with you about these spring helium candidates. And I'm excited to sort of follow your uh, coverage of, of the spring and, and see uh, which guys really uh, deserve to go viral uh, on some <laughs> videos. Um, and then uh, are you going to be at, in Florida? I, think, I will be. Right? Yeah. Yep. So yeah. So. See you in a see you in like less than two weeks. Yep, sounds good. That's crazy. It's so close, but here we are. <laughs> All right, sounds good, buddy. Thanks again. And this has been uh, Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast, brought to you by Fantrax. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around—a watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers. Movement has something she'll love. And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.